Hello folks, Simon Dowling here. Welcome back to Teaming with Possibility. You know what has been on my mind a little bit lately, and that is how do you build a team? So when you think of teams, how do you build one whose strength lies in its diversity, whose strength lies in its balance, in in other words, all the different parts? And that's the sort of thing that's really easy to say on paper, but sometimes really hard to do in practice. And I'll tell you what got me thinking about this recently is we had a fabulous weekend because our under-14 boys basketball team, which my son plays in and I am the coach, we won the grand final. Woohoo! Um, and I was really kind of taken at the end of the game and throughout the game and, in fact, afterwards where... The boys on the team were talking about the different sorts of players we had in the team and having a chat about this with my son, having a talk about you know, the players that he identified as the great defence players in our team and the ones that were really good at offence, those that were really good at shooting, those who were really good at setting up the play, those who were really good at snatching and grabbing the ball off the opposition and intercepting it and those who were really good at driving the ball up the court. And I thought, how fabulous that they've got to this point as a bunch of 11-year-old boys, under 14, but they're 11, um, who are able to see those differences across the court. And because of that, start to actually play to those differences, start to call out for them, start to even suggest to me when I'm running the sub bench, who should go on next and who we need on the court to make sure that the balance of the team is right. Wouldn't it be great if all teams were able to look at themselves in the same way? Because the beauty of something like uh, you know basketball or any of these sorts of sports is that we do name these roles really clearly, like defense, offense, wing, center, um, and a, a sort of a, a, an aggressive player, a, um, a, you know, a player who, who's great at passing, uh, great who's reading the play. We name those things in sport, and I kind of wish that we did a little more of that in the corporate world. So that's what I wanted to reflect on in this episode, which is episode eleven of Teaming with Possibility. If you are a first-time listener to this, welcome. Great to have you here. Um, If you are coming back for more, so good to see you again or to be uh, chatting with you. And please, as always, my big request is hit like, hit follow, hit something that tells the the internet, the system that this should go in front of some other people as well. So when we think of hiring for or building a team where strength comes from its diversity, I do reckon we've got to acknowledge, first of all, a real tendency. And that is that we hire towards or build towards an archetypal norm. So the archetype of our team. Some people would often talk about how we hire for cultural fit, which, while culture is important, great Peter Drucker, culture eats strategy for breakfast, Culture doesn't come from just building a team of homogenous players. Like Culture can come from and should come from diversity because without that, what we miss is diversity of thinking, diversity of perspectives, diversity of experience, diversity of thinking styles, diversity of of insight and worldview, which 
brings therefore a richness to the work that we do. If we are serving a particular kind of customer, it probably really well represents the diversity across our customer base as well. Um, in other words, allows us to grow, adds multiple multiple elements into the mix. But what we have to acknowledge is that we tend to fall victim to you know the the classic affinity bias sometimes call it liking bias so affinity bias probably best described as birds of a feather flock together so we like to um, and we're attracted to we like to hang out with people who are like us and that's not necessarily something that we're very conscious of when we're hiring it's not something we're conscious of when we choose who to put together in a team with ourselves or who we tend to spend more time in in the with in the workplace but rather it's this unconscious preference we've been hardwired that way in order to help us build and identify tribes of similarity and to create that connectedness amongst us but not very helpful if what we're trying to build is something that is far more diverse and balanced in its strengths so recognizing that's important so really watching out too for those moments when people do say hey we have to hire for cultural fit or we have to hire for values fit or we have to hire for fit there's a truth to that but there's also a danger to it and that is that that means we're simply being lazy and hiring for what's familiar what's obvious and what's same same but not different once you have that awareness i think really building a team that whose strength comes from its diversity requires a couple of things and the first of which is awareness and appetite it has to start with this belief that you need balance and it has to start with an awareness of what that balance actually represents so if i go back to the basketball analogy there's this kind of learned understanding that you need these different players with different strengths on them um, with different preferences, with different you know height advantages, but by the same t- token, in the workplace, we've got to identify what those useful differences are. And I think there's four big buckets that you could think about here. There's thinking styles, so the way in which we process information, the way we look at the view, the the, the, the look at the world, the way in which we analyze information, the way we scrutinize it. Then there's communication styles, which is the way we express ourselves the way we articulate our thoughts, the way in which we create dialogue, the way in which we present information, and of course the receiving end of that as well, which is the way we listen to information, the way we interpret information. The third's behavioral style, so that's simply the way we show up, particularly in group contexts and also, um, you know, when under pressure or in stress. So, understanding that different people will tend to respond based on different preferences and needs. Um, And then finally, there's just the the diversity in worldview, the diversity in experience, the diversity in skills. And I think when you're looking at your own team, you might say, how do we design or understand the kind of classic archetypes that exist within our team? If you think of the dominant players, those that really stood as, you know, the people in our team who are representative of the kind of team we are. Are there particular similarities there around those thinking styles, those communication preferences, those behavioral styles, those worldviews? And could we name them? Could we name them? So what's really useful, I think, and this is particularly if you're in the leadership role in a team or you're thinking about the design of the team, 
is to think about, you know, who those people are. So I'm thinking of Sarah and I'm thinking of um, Derek and I'm, I'm thinking of um, Maggie. And we're working through and going, okay, those people are really representative of this team to ourselves, but also probably to the rest of our business. So what is it about them that makes them so essentially us? And kind of design what their preferences and strengths are. And then when you stand back and do that, you can then ask yourself, now, does that fit a particular kind of archetype? Is that a particular, you know, would I give that archetype or that avatar almost a name? Is it that they're a driver? Is it that they are um, an analyzer? Is it that they are a strategist? Is it that they're a pioneer? Is it that they're a doer? Is it that they are an entrepreneur? Is it that they are um, an explorer? Is it that they are an empath? Now, this is all I'm, I'm suggesting at this point done as a creative activity. Like, I'm not not saying that there are particular names and terms you should use, but could you come up with that organically? Now, if that seems challenging, or if you want a bit of a help in the right direction here, it's useful to remember that there are some great tools, some great frameworks that help us identify those archetypes in our teams. Because as well as thinking about who those classic individuals might be, it's then important to wash that up with how does that compare with other members of the team that didn't make that list of top three. Um, And there's two... There's a whole bunch of profiling tools. I've mentioned some of them in this podcast before, but there's two in particular that I think are relevant here for team archetypes. One is the Belbin Team Styles profiling tool, and that comes up with nine different archetypes that describe the kind of people that you might typically have in your team. Um, And those archetypes, you can do a profiling tool. Those archetypes help you understand the nine different strengths, the nine different... um, Uh, if you like, uh, superpowers that sit at the heart of a well-balanced team. That's not to say you have to have nine or more people in a team in order to be able to meet that, 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 that balance, if you like. But you, it's a really useful way of thinking who's in the mix when you think of those things. Some of those profiles, you've got your um, your plant. I've just got some on a screen here. The, the plant, the specialist, the monitor evaluator, the team worker, the coordinator. Now, some of those have more obvious meanings than others, but each of them is identified by virtue of what strengths they bring to the table and also what um, weaknesses that they are likely to have and will probably show up if that's their strength. So you can't blame them for that. It's just part of their natural preference set. So using something like Belbin Team Styles, another version is your Gallup Strengths Finder. And the Gallup Strengths Finder is another tool for understanding what the different individual strengths are within, within your team or just at an individual level. Because once you understand those, the whole notion of Gallup Strengths Finder is to say, position people into roles and into jobs and into, uh, into spending most of their time doing things that play to their strengths. Because when you do that, you are more likely to get the best work from them. They're more likely to be engaged, they're more likely to grow, and they're more likely to be able to make their most valuable contribution back into the team. So if we do that, we can more cleverly cast people according to their strengths. So understanding the mix of strengths, whether it's through the Belbin team, team roles, profiling tool or Gallup Strengths Finder is a great way to then think, well, who have we got at the table? And 
Most importantly, are we hiring towards a particular archetype and default at the moment? It might not be hiring towards that. It might be, hey, do we have a dominant archetype or couple of archetypes in our team? And if so, what effect are they having on the rest of the team? Like if we've got really strong analytical types in our team or we've got really strong entrepreneurial types or strategist types, what are they doing to the voices of others in the team? Like are they you know, so dominant with their views on things and so forthright? And are they in such senior leadership roles that what that renders is everyone else who doesn't fit that archetype a minority? And as the minority... Is it then the case that they are struggling to have a voice because they don't feel like they are normal in that team or they don't feel like there is an easy way for them to express themselves in a way that will be clearly understood? So you can see how this kind of awareness really has to be built at um, senior levels in a team in order to be able to create that, that breakthrough. So, okay, so the first thing we're thinking about here is how do I build awareness? How do I build an appetite in our team for the different kinds of archetype, the different kinds of strength set that we need in the team? And I think whenever you are then looking at the design of a team, it really is critical to not just have, hey, here's the makeup of our team by nature of the role and the role titles, but actually to create a map that says, here's the different types of strengths we need in this team. People will come and go. We may not even have all of these in place right now, but here's the different sort of strengths we need. And again, using something like Belbin or using something like Gallup to say, we kind of want a mix of all of these. Do we have them right now? Gives us a chance to do a bit of an audit. That then leads to the second part of this, which is now not just awareness and appetite, because that can lead to diversity on paper, but not diversity in experience or the lived experience of your team and that's where we want to go the next piece which is building a team whose strength is in that diversity and to do that we need to not just hire and make sure there's a shared understanding of where those diversities and differences lie and what those archetypes look like but actually how do they work together how are they currently working so a little bit along that theme of where is there friction happening? Where is there um, a diminishing of one style or preference because of the dominance of another in our team? So recognizing that, where are the bits that are missing altogether? Like are there pieces of the puzzle that just aren't there? Can we identify the gaps? So this is a great exercise to do on a big, you know, a couple of bits of butcher's paper or a whiteboard or a screen on a wall and have a look at this and map it out together. But then once you've identified those parts, to be able to then say, how do we now best integrate them? So if we've got someone who is a really strong critical thinker or someone who is a really strong coordinator or implementer and they tend to drive because of their style and their energy, they tend to drive the pace of a lot of our meetings and conversations. The next question becomes, well, how do we open up space in those conversations for the more creative, innovative, um, curious archetypes in our mix or behaviors in our mix and create space for those to emerge, to flourish, to fly, eagle fly. Um, Awareness is part of that, but actually then thinking of our ways of working and behaviors that are going to be critical to be successful on that count. 
So is it, for example, that some of our meetings need to be divided 50-50 time in terms of blue sky thinking and then implementation conversations? Because at the moment, the blue sky is being drowned out by the implementation. Uh, do we need to rewrite some of our job descriptions, our portfolio descriptions to capture actually the core strengths that we are looking for in those roles and therefore making sure that next time we hire, we are looking for that diversity. Do we need to do some profiling amongst us to build that awareness and have half a day together where we understand what these different strengths are or those different tendencies are and how they can adjust to one another? Do we need to have an honest conversation about how we sometimes irritate one another, not because we're irritating people, but because we're different and actually embrace that conversation as part of the complexity of teams and then talk about, well, given that irritation, here's, here's a way of better understanding how I work. Could we, from that, actually create some user manuals? And I use that term a little bit in inverted commas, tongue in cheek, but a user manual is a chance for me to say, here, let me use you know five or six bullet points to describe here are the the most important things to bear in mind to get the most out of me and also here's some of my little quirks that you may encounter and here's how to make sense of them or here's how to best respond to them so you know i'm someone who is always looking for action and clarity so as a result when things get messy in a conversation what you'll notice in me is i start to try and tidy it up You'll notice in me that I start to try and turn it into a next step. But I recognize that sometimes that's not helpful and it cuts out the space in our conversations. So my instruction to the rest of you in my user manual is to say, hang on, I don't think we're quite ready to tidy it up just yet. Let's just stick with the mess. Or I don't think we're quite ready to tie this up in a neat bow. Let's keep unpicking packing this a little bit and exploring what really is going on. So that's an example of what might sit in my user manual. So all of that allows you and your team to have a conversation about how do we evolve together in such a way that we understand our diversity, we understand where diversity is missing, and we make a really conscious point of saying what we're trying to build here is a team whose strength comes from its diversity. And that's not easy. So the quest here is not perfection, because I'm not sure that's ever achievable. What really the quest is, is progress. That each month, each quarter, each day, we are making minute progress towards harnessing all the strengths that sit around this metaphorical table. So there you go. What's sort of top of mind for you as you reflect on this, the archetypes that dominate in your team? Do you have names for them? Are you inspired to come up with names that are useful, almost like your own avatars of the sorts of people we have in here? Or would it be helpful for you to have a look at your Belbin team roles, B-E-L-B-I-N, or your Gallup Strengths Finder and say, how does that help us understand where we are potentially lopsided in this team and where we have big gaps. How does that then in turn help us have a conversation around the kind of team we're wanting to build and how do we do that? And um, and then what's one thing that we can be doing as a team to progress that in, an, in a sort of proactive way? 
come back to that metaphor that I started with of the basketball team where these 11-year-old kids are really explicit about the sorts of roles that they see playing out in the team and how useful would that be in your own working team right now. Bit of food for thought. So that is it for this episode. I think there's plenty to get on with there, thinking about your team and how do we team in a way that truly does harness the possibility of the people you have harnessed and assembled together. That's it. That's episode 11. I look forward to catching you next time. As always, drop me a line at podcast at simondowling.com.au. Always love to hear from you. Otherwise, 